The reason why I don't say it's a debate is because oftentimes there is emotions involved. There is resentment, there is anger, there are a myriad of emotions that come into it, most of them negative. And that's the reason why people shy away from it. Whereas a debate is more purely intellectual, it may be about the issue, but we are not emotionally involved. So that's the thing about fighting, which is fighting allows you to really see the other person, see what they care about, see their emotions raw for what it is, and then you gain a better understanding of each other. And in a way, if you're fighting well, you also gain a deeper respect for each other. Welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. The Leaders of Learning is a podcast show that explores learning in the 21st century with educators, leaders, and entrepreneurs. For more information and to listen to our previous episodes, head over to our website at www.leadersoflearning.asia. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. is often feared and avoided as a bad thing. But when disagreements are suppressed or swept aside, we lose passion and interest. When we care deeply about a matter, we naturally fight for it. Conflict can be a source of creativity, engagement, and energy. Still, there are good and bad ways to fight. A good fight deepens relationships and creates superior outcomes. A bad fight does the opposite. So how can we fight well? To help us answer this question is Serene Seng, a professional speaker and executive coach. For the past 20 years, she has helped organizations with leadership development. She believes the one competency that leaders are sorely lacking is the ability to fight well. Welcome to the show, Serene. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Lingling. So what is it about conflict that fascinates you and how did you get into this space? Um, well, I got into it kind of a little bit by the back door. So I was doing a lot of mental health programs for senior leaders and for middle management. And then I realized that one of the big issues was that people weren't expressing or bringing disagreements out to the open. So a lot of what they disagree with, they will sweep it under the carpet. They will smile and nod to the boss and then go out into the corridor and complain about, oh, this shouldn't be done, that's terrible and so on. And that was really causing people, A, to have a lot of stress. Secondly, for the company to be disengaged, uh, for people to be not very productive, quite obviously. And also lastly, for problems not to be solved. And so I started to look into conflict. And the reason I use the word conflict, I mean, I've been asked several times whether it's conflict I'm talking about or debates or arguments, but I use the word conflict because people seem to really recoil from the word. Like if I said, I am going to teach your people to have more conflict, they're all like, no, <laughs> no, what are you going to do? <laughs> so I use it deliberately because I think there's so much fear of simply being conflict, you know. And I keep hearing this in companies, oh, we are one big uh, happy family here. 
And I ask myself, have I ever met a truly happy family that doesn't fight? Yeah. Right? I mean, if I told you that I've been married for 17 years and I have never had a disagreement with my husband, your first question will be, do you talk anymore? Right? But the thing is that in a company, we are expected to be a big happy family that doesn't fight. And it was really weird to me. I don't know. At least this is to me. Yes. I recognize the examples that you've given about how employees, when they disagree with the boss, they agree in face value. And then afterwards, they go into the back room and complain to the other colleagues. And you say conflict is not the same as debate. It's not the same as discussion. It's sort of like argument. So in your context, in your terms, what does conflict mean? Well, I think that a conflict is when two people disagree with each other, either on a personal level, which means I don't like who you are as a person, or on an issue level, which means I don't like your stance or your take on this issue. And either of them, the reason why I don't say it's a debate is because oftentimes there is emotions involved. There is resentment, there is anger, there are a myriad of emotions that come into it, most of them negative. And that's the reason why people shy away from it. Whereas a debate is more purely intellectual, it may be about the issue, but we are not emotionally involved. I think the big kicker is when you are emotionally involved because you are only emotionally involved with the issues that you really care about. I can debate with you about the possibilities of AI because I'm not, and it's not something that's emotional to me. But if I'm talking about, let's say, the future of my kids' education, then you will find that that, that emotionality comes in because I care a lot more. Then may I ask you, is it a good thing to have emotions involved in a conflict? Because if we think of the workplace environment, we use our head a lot, we use logic, we use pragmatism, and there sometimes there is no space for emotions. So is it a good thing to bring emotions in conflict in organizations? Well, I will put it this way, that whether or not you bring it, it's there anyway. <laughs> you can either <laughs> address right. it or you can ignore it, uh, but it is there anyway. It is practically impossible to tell people, bring your hands, but don't bring your heart. Yeah. We're all human beings after yeah. all. <laughs> so it's not, it's not possible. And secondly, to be very frank, do you really want a workplace where everybody is dispassionate and nobody is truly passionate or engaged with their work? I don't think that's something that an ideal workplace would want either. I'm, I'm sure there are workplaces where they say, you know, just come, you know, bring your head and leave your emotions at home. <laughs> yeah, there are. There are plenty of these places, yeah? But yeah, and leaders role model it as well. Yes. But the thing is, when we are talking about an engaged workforce, when you're talking about passion, when you're talking about people really giving their all, then you need them to be emotional. You need them to bring their heart to work. And when you bring the heart, you can't say, bring only the good emotions, okay? Leave the bad emotions at home. It just doesn't work <laughs> that way, right? It just doesn't work that way. Is that why then organizations should encourage people uh, to have more conflict is so that we can see each other's emotions to encourage more passion. Is that why? Yeah, I mean, I feel they should encourage more uh, conflict because if you don't encourage, it still exists. So that emotionality, that disagreement still exists. And instead of being aired out, it festers and it then may turn into resentment and to disengagement of the employee. Um, so it's there anyway. You might as well bring it out and air it out. Um, and actually airing it out has 
a couple of advantages. The first is because people are allowed to truly say, you know, how they feel and truly, you know, say something that they, they care about, you know, then that actually makes them more engaged and more passionate about the topic at hand. That's the first thing. Secondly is that when you see different sides of the thing, you actually make a better decision. And at the end of it, you may have a better outcome. Because not disagreeing to something can mean that you only see one side and you are susceptible to groupthink. Um, yeah. And the third thing is quite simply that any conflict is energy. I mean, most of us complain about, oh, we are so tired, we are so tired, you know, we, we work, we are so tired, we go to home, we are so tired. That's because if we are spending a lot of our energy suppressing negative emotions, that is a lot of energy set from us. Whereas if we bring it out, we fight about it, and we have a good fight, of course, we actually feel more energized and we get that energy back. I would have thought if you invested in a good fight or in a good conflict, you would feel even more stressed or even more like tired because even without fighting, it feels tiring already. So what you're saying is if we actually spend less time suppressing our actual emotions, we might be less tired. Yes. And two things, I mean, that's why I talk about a good fight or a bad fight. How do I define it? Quite simply, a good fight is when your relationship with the person you're fighting with deepens. A bad fight does the opposite. A good fight is also something where the outcome is better than it was before the fight. And of course, a bad fight is the opposite. So if you think about any relationship that you've had, I mean, any deep committed relationship, um, it's usually all roses and uh, champagne in the beginning. And then you have your first real fight. And that fight is make or break. If you really fight and you fight well and you can air out all of your disagreements, the relationship deepens a lot after the first fight. Of course, the opposite is also true. If you fight badly, then you break up. Yeah? So that's the thing about fighting, which is fighting allows you to really see the other person, see what they care about, see their emotions raw for what it is. And then you gain a better understanding of each other. And in a way, if you're fighting well, you also gain a deeper respect for each other. Why is it that people are afraid to face conflicts? Because it's quite, especially in the Asian context, right? In most Asian-based organization, there's goal to try to make the workplace harmonious. There's a goal to try to make the workplace peaceful, everyone's happy and smiley. Do you believe that people are afraid to address and face conflicts? I think the first thing is, like what you said, there is a lot of belief that we must be harmonious, meaning we must be in complete agreement with each other. So the thing is that that's where what is true peace and true harmony. True peace and true harmony is not to do with suppressing your emotions and sweeping disagreements under the carpet, but to do with airing it out, everybody being heard and truly coming to a conclusion that is the best outcome for all. That's where you can actually get people harmony and peace. But what most people perceive is that the moment we fight, oh no, you know, this is it, our, our harmony and peace is all gone. Because it is the surface or the perception of harmony and peace. That's the first issue. Secondly is, because people don't fight, they're not very good at it. So can you imagine if I'm bottling up this emotion for like two weeks and then it comes up, you know, because I can't take it anymore, right? It's going to be a disaster. I'm probably going to say a lot of things I regret you know, and I may fight ugly. And the thing is that this is what people see, which is that, you know, the fights turn ugly, you know, they, the people suppress and they can't suppress anymore and it erupts. So if there's been a lot of bad fights, then naturally people would tend to shy away from fighting. But like any other skill in life, the less you use of it, the worse it is. 
the more you use the skill, the better you become at it. So actually fighting more and encouraging kids to fight when the, the stakes are much lower will develop their ability to have better fights, to fight better, you know, and to incorporate disagreement. How do I deal with somebody who completely disagree with me? How do I disagree with another person you know, in a way that actually promotes the relationship? But I realise this even in kids. I mean, kids as young as three and four are told, oh, don't fight, don't fight. I'm like, no, let them fight. <laughs> let them fight now. If you have been fighting like since you are three or four, until you're 23 or 24, by the time you get out of the workplace, you know how to fight and you know how to fight well. But the thing is this as well, that a lot of the emotionality that comes with fighting, there's also the need to kind of, I guess the word is to manage it. So it is very easy for me to scream, shout, throw tables and throw chairs, right? But how do you then contain that emotion, be real to yourself and yet be able to express your emotions in a way that is perhaps not hurtful or harming to the other person? Yeah, so there's that ability to kind of, kind of be real, be true, be as angry as you need to be and yet not hurt the other person. Yeah, so that's that, I think. I think that's very difficult to do, right? Yes, yes. I, actually, I've come up with this four-point system that I thought, you know, was like, okay, how, how do you have a good fight, right? So I have like a, a four-point system, right? So the first one is purpose in mind. So when you go into a fight, really think about what your purpose is. At the end of the day, do you really want, I mean, if you feel that I don't want to have a relationship with this person anymore, I'm fighting to break it off, okay, so be it. But at the end of the day, what is your purpose in terms of relationship and in terms of objective for the tasks that are being done? So think about it. What do I want at the end of the day? And what do I want our relationship to be at the end of the day? So really, when you go in, have your purpose strongly in mind. That's the first thing. Secondly is lead where they already want to go. What do I mean by that? We always talk about lead people, lead people. But you can only lead a person where they already want to go. So I'm sure you have gone to like Chattochak Market or somewhere where you can bargain, right? You can yeah. bargain. You want to... I find that really stressful though. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> no, but bargaining is a classic conflict situation, right? You are the buyer. You want it to be as cheap as possible. There is a seller. He wanted it to be as expensive as possible, correct? Yeah. Now, if both the buyer and the seller don't have a common third objective, which is that they want the sale to be done, you can essentially just walk off. I mean, there's, there's no point talking anymore, right? So it is this common third purpose that makes the deal possible. Otherwise, they will forever be pulling in two directions and there will be no accord. So at any point in time where the buyer feels, I no longer want to buy or the seller feels, I no longer want to sell, then actually there's no necessity for this conflict to go on anymore. So same thing when you go into a conflict with another person. So think about what in commonality do you want? In most workplaces, the commonality is we want a better outcome for the issue or matter at hand. That is the one commonality. And in many workplaces, they also want to have a better relationship with their colleagues. So that is two common objectives that you have. And actually, so think about how you can fight with the person by leading the person towards a better outcome. You know, towards a deeper relationship and towards a better outcome. So think about leading them towards where they already want to go. That's the second one. And the third one is then awareness. Awareness of the other, awareness of the situation. Because from moment to moment, the situation changes. And you need to be aware and to be present so that you know 
when the situation changes. So it could be, for example, that I'm arguing with you and this moment you are like, no, no, you're right. Next moment I say something and you're like, oh, yeah, it's true. And you can see it in the person's demeanor that they have they have kind of like, oh, I see your point. You like know? an aha moment. Yeah, like an aha moment. And, and so at that point in time, for me to continue arguing my point is both tiresome to you and may actually sour the thing back again. Yeah? So you need to kind of like be aware at every moment where the other person is. And if they've kind of like conceded, but they are... Okay, the thing about fighting is this. A lot of times people concede and they realise you have a good point, but, you know, face doesn't allow them to actually tell you that, right? <laughs> but you kind of can see that, okay, they have conceded. They kind of see my point. So don't press it anymore. Let them have the face, you know? Let them have the face. You know, back off and go like, okay, where do we want to go from here, you know? And then, and then sit down and it is action plan time. You have finished your fight, it's action plan time. So that awareness of the other person, the awareness of the situation, especially if it's a very dynamic situation, it's very important. And so it's not so much about what is my point and how do I get it across, but really looking at the person and going like, okay, what is my purpose? What is my outcome? How do I then follow my outcome given whatever is happening now? Uh, last one is why, which is you. You are stronger than you think you are. Because by the time I get to this stage, most people tell me, Serene, are you kidding me? Do you think I can do all that and still be able to fight? Like, there's just no way, you know? You're asking too much from me. And the thing is, I want to tell people that you are actually stronger than you think you are. And actually in real life, I do an exercise where I get people to bend their arms and another person to hold it straight. And people find that they're able to hold their arms straight without any effort. A lot of times, yeah, simply by thinking and visualizing it. So you are as strong as you believe yourself to be. If you believe that you can do it, if you visualize yourself succeeding, you do. And of course, if you're going thinking, Serene, are you kidding me? There's no way I can do this. Yes, you're right. There's no way you can do it. Yes. You are who you think you are. So if you think you cannot fight, then you cannot fight. If you think you can fight a good fight, then you can. Yes. So if you think that you can keep your purpose in mind, even when you're emotional, you can find out what's the other person's objective and lead them there. And you can constantly be aware. Then basically, you can. You will do it. And I'm not saying that you will do it you know, overnight, but you will come with practice. And you will find that, oh, maybe this time around, I could have done certain things better. Next time, you will know. Yeah, and like any skill, it comes with practice, but it's that belief that ultimately you can do it, that you are stronger than you think you are. And if you put the four words together, it's P-L-A-Y. And why... Play? Play, yes. <laughs> and why do I say play? Because what is the difference between wrestling and play wrestling? Fighting and play fighting. One has an agenda. One doesn't have an agenda. One is for fun, the other is for money, yes. competition. Yes, but the thing is this, if I tell you that these two boys are fighting versus I tell you th these two boys are play fighting, you, know, you see people roughhousing each other and they can get quite rough, but at the end of it, they all have a laugh and they all enjoy the process and you know, and even if they get a bit of bruises or so on, they all take it and they, in fact, they are better friends. So think of it as, how can I bring this spirit into every conflict that I go into? to enjoy the process, to let's all have fun with it, you know. Yes, we may come up with bruises and we may have some bruised egos especially, you know, but how can I do it in the way that people do for play roughhousing? You know, really, at the end of it, we are all better friends and we all enjoy the process, we have fun with it. 
I believe you need a really great sense of self-awareness too, because when you are so deeply entrenched in your emotions, sometimes you forget about how you say things, how you act, how you treat the other person that you become unaware of yourself and then influence and impact on others. So how does this fit into this framework? So I agree with you that you have to be very self-aware and you have to be present in the moment. But I would actually tell people this because when you are in the heat of the moment, it's quite hard. Okay, it's not that it's not possible. I'm sure there are are monks who can do it. But to be also (laughs) self-aware at the same time. So all I ask people is very simple, which is to be present to the here and now. So if I am furious at this point in time and I want to bite their head off and throw it against the wall, that is how you feel. So be present to this at this point in time and only ask yourself one question. What is the one thing I can say to further my purpose? Yeah. So it doesn't matter what is, you know, how you feel, you know, yes, I may, I may not manage my emotions very well. I'm like super furious. I'm resentful and so on. Just be present to it. Just say, yes, you are super resentful. You're, you're thinking, be aware. And then what can you do to now further your purpose, not the other person's purpose? Yeah, so think about it, which is why I always tell people before you go in, really have your purpose clear and visualize what that outcome is going to be. So what is the next thing? And I think in the heat of the moment, it will come naturally to you because when you fight, you have adrenaline. I mean, if adrenaline, you think faster. <laughs> you think faster and you talk faster. Yes. So you will think of something. And really, if you said something wrong in the heat of the moment, you made a mistake, accept that it's a mistake. You know, if you need to apologize, apologize for it afterwards. And the next time, you will get better. So it's also a question of practice. But really, just as long as you're present to the here and now, and you think about what's my outcome that I want, next, and the next, and the next. Yeah. And remember, right, you are stronger than you think. Right? You can you, do you it! You can do it. You can do it. You yes. can have a good fight. You can yeah. do it, yes. <laughs> so let's say I'm a listener. I'm convinced that I need to learn how to fight better for my own growth, personal growth, as well as for the betterment of my workplace. So where can we learn how to fight better? Where is the place that we can start to learn how to fight I will always advise you pick an area that is low risk to you. So fight with somebody whom you know at the end of the day, even if the fight turns bad, you're not going to lose that person. You know, so fight with a brother, fight with a mom. Your mom is not going to hate you. You know, so it's like really think of what is one low risk, and you might want to also start with an issue that is not super emotional or super close to your heart. So you get in some practice with low risk, um, low stake. Uh, disagreements. And from there, at the end of it, you ask yourself, you know, did I enjoy it? Did I do well in it? And from there, you can improve. And before you go and pick a fight with your boss, for example, you know, (laughs) do something very high risk, right? So literally get yourself, you know, get some practice, you know, talk to people, you know, start to fight. And another way that you can do it is actually to talk to the other team members at work or even to your other family members to say, hey, you know, this is something that I'm thinking of. You know, is there a way that we can air out disagreements? And yet, be better, be fine. You know, share this framework, see what they think. You know? So it's not, I mean, you may not be able to change a whole entire organization, but if you can change the three people that you work with so that you all have good fights, I think that will make a vast improvement to your work life already. Yeah. So, but, so this really, these are the two baby steps. Uh, first, low risk, low stakes um, arguments. Secondly, uh, just reach out to the people that you're the closest to, share the idea, 
and see if you can do you know a couple of sort of low risk things and see if that works out or not for you. So if our listeners were to take away one key thing from today's session, what do you think that will be? Fight more. Fight more. <laughs> Do it more often, do Fight it well. Fight more, yes. <laughs> Fight more, get the practice in. But also that if you are really unhappy with an issue that you deeply care about, don't just stuff it down and suppress it and sweep it under the carpet because you are killing both yourself and you are killing the issue. So definitely fight. If you need to fight, fight. Great one. Thank you so much, Serene, for your time on today's show. If our listeners want to look for you, how can they find you? Um, well, I have a LinkedIn profile. Uh, so my LinkedIn is Serene Singh, S-E-R-E-N-E-S-E-N-G. So they can come and look for me there. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you again. Thank you so much for having me. That was Serene Seng, a professional speaker, executive coach, as well as the host of the YouTube channel called The Serene View. In our next episode, we will speak to Dr. Philip Mary, a highly experienced trainer, speaker, and coach who specializes in helping organizations to build high-performing multicultural global teams, and he has done this for the past 30 years. We will be discussing about leveraging synchronicity in leadership. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us wherever you download your podcast. Follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also visit our website at www.leadersoflearning.asia to listen to our previous episodes. If you believe this podcast show will help a colleague, friend, or family member, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. I'm your host, Ling Ling. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast.